إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So as you've seen, the title of this particular lecture is regarding the methodology of the prophets in giving da'wah. The methodology of the prophets in giving da'wah. As you're aware, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created us and placed us upon this earth and then sent the prophets and the messengers with that revelation. Allah sent the prophets and the messengers and with them the books, the revelations from Allah, in order that we may be guided. So Allah did not leave us upon this earth without guidance. Allah did not create us and leave us without guidance. Rather, Allah created us and placed us upon this earth and made the affairs easy for us to worship Him and sent the revelation and the guidance so that we would be able to worship Allah in the correct manner. With that guidance, Allah took the people out of darkness into light. With that guidance, Allah took the people out of the shirk that they were in into light, into tawheed. Because prior to the sending of the Prophet ﷺ, prior to that final revelation, then you're aware that the people at that time, the Quraysh, they were upon shirk. Many of them worshipping all types of different deities. Some of them worshipping the stars. Some of them worshipping the sun. Some of them worshipping trees. Some of them stones. Some of them angels and prophets, others going to the graves of the deceased people. So they were worshipping all types of different things prior to the sending of the Prophet ﷺ, prior to the revelation of that final revelation, the Qur'an. It is mentioned to such an extent that when those mushrikeen used to go out on a journey and they would pitch their tents for the night if they were traveling somewhere when they would set up the camp for the night they would go and find some rocks four rocks they would go and pick up maybe four rocks they would use three of them to make a campfire three rocks in a triangle to put the wood inside and make a campfire what would they do with the fourth rock that they had picked up too? It is mentioned in some of the narrations uh, regarding them as Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned the fourth rock that they would pick up, they would put it somewhere, station it somewhere and use that as their deity for the night. This was their shirk and this was their jahl that they were upon prior to the sending of the Prophet ﷺ. So Allah sent all of these prophets and messengers as 
a means of guiding the people because that revelation it came through the prophets and the messengers to us so this is as Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned a wasila that you cannot reject there is one type of wasila a means or an intermediary that you must reject and there is another type of intermediary and wasila that you must accept the type that you reject is the shirk when people go to the graves and they go to the deceased and they want to ask those dead people to take their dua to Allah or they want to make their dua via the angels all of that type of wasila that type of intercession you reject but there is another type of wasila another type of means or intermediary that you must accept and that is the wasila of the prophets and messengers because via them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us the revelation via the prophets and the messengers we were shown that guidance because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send down the revelation upon every single person Allah did not send down the guidance the revelation yani the the book it was not sent down to every single person rather Allah chose certain individuals the prophets and the messengers and they were the ones whom the revelation was sent upon then via them it was spread and disseminated amongst all of the people so these prophets and messengers they came with that guidance from Allah just as Allah mentioned in the Quran وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ Allah said we sent to all of the nations to all of the nations messengers and they would preach these messengers these prophets that were sent to the various nations they would preach to the people أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon tawheed وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ and stay well away, refrain from, abstain from the false deities. That was the message of all of the prophets and messengers. So when we talk about now, in this lecture title of the da'wah of the prophets and messengers, or the methodology of the da'wah from the prophets and messengers, then the first thing that should be known or from amongst the first of the affairs that should be known, is that all of the prophets and messengers, they came with the same message. They came with the same message of Tawheed. Even if the specific details of the legislations, the halal and the haram may have been different. For some prophets... In their time, when they were alive, maybe certain things were halal, which are haram now. And maybe certain things were haram, which are halal now. Small things about halal and haram may have been different for the different prophets and messengers, what was allowed, what was not allowed. 
But the overall message, the basis, the basis of their message, that never changed, that was never different. That was always Tawheed from the beginning to the end. That is why it is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala originally created the people upon Tawheed. They were created on Tawheed. But when they distorted away, they moved away and they fell into shirk, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the prophets and the messengers, sent the messengers from Nuh alayhi salam all the way to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And in between that period, all of the messengers, all of the prophets were calling to the tawheed of Allah. So they were all muwahideen. Whether it is Ibrahim alayhi salam, he called his people to tawheed. Ibrahim alayhi salam, from the greatest of the prophets and messengers from Islam. He made dua to Allah. وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ He made dua to Allah. Ibrahim alayhi salam made dua to Allah. Protect me and my offspring from ever worshipping the idols. This was Ibrahim alayhi salam from the greatest of the prophets and messengers asking Allah to protect him from shirk. So we know that he came with the message of Tawheed. And he said to his people, why are you worshipping these idols and statues? They can't hear you, they can't speak to you, they can't respond to you. And he said to them, he rejects the worship of all of those deities that they were worshipping. He said to them, except the one who created me. So whom is the one who created him and everyone else? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Ibrahim alayhi salam, he came with the message of Tawheed. Then there were also from the other prophets and messengers, Musa alayhi salam, what they say, Moses, Musa alayhi salam also came with the message of Tawheed. And he preached that to his people. It's mentioned in the Qur'an regarding the debate that occurred between him and Fir'aun, between him and the Pharaoh, when Musa salam was narrating to him regarding the Lordship of Allah, regarding the Rububiyya, the Uluhiyya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. Yet Fir'aun, he rejected that. He refused to accept and out of arrogance and haughtiness and pride, he said to them, Ana Rabbukumul A'la. Oh, I am the Lord Most High. I am your Lord the Most High. That was out of his arrogance and rejection, even though in his heart he knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord. So Musa alayhi salam, he debated with him. And he gave him those evidences and proofs regarding Tawheed. But Fir'aun rejected that. He rejected it. And he said to him, he said to the people, Are you, Musa alayhi salam, trying to use your magic on us or trying to get rid of us? So then they made an appointment 
where Fir'aun brought his magicians. And Musa alayhi salam, he came. And as you know, Musa alayhi salam, by the command of Allah, overwhelmed them. And those magicians, they turned to Islam. Eventually, Fir'aun still not accepting Tawheed and practicing it. They chased after Musa alayhi salam until they came to the Red Sea. And then Allah by His command split the sea into pathways. And the people with Musa alayhi salam, they all crossed until when Pharaoh came in after them, the sea it collapsed again and he was drowned. This was Musa alayhi salam preaching the Tawheed at his time, preaching the Tawheed to Fir'aun and the others from Banu Israel. Then we have also from the other prophets and messengers, Isa alayhi salam, for example, what they say as Jesus, Isa alayhi salam also came with the message of Tawheed, preaching the Tawheed to the people. Not as they will perhaps say now that he came with the Trinity. Isa alayhi salam did not come with the Trinity. Isa alayhi salam did not say worship him or worship his mother, Maryam, Mary as they say. He did not come with this message to the people. Rather Isa alayhi salam came with the message of Tawheed to them also. And that is why it is mentioned in the Quran when it will be said to Isa alayhi salam on the day of judgment, أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِ وَأُمِّيَةِ did you say to the people, take you and your mother, Maryam, do take you two as gods besides Allah? He will say, Subhanaka, glory be to you, far removed from any deficiencies. I would not say something which I do not have right to say. Isa alayhi salam did not come with the Trinity. He did not come with the Father, the Son, the Ghost, etc., he came with Tawheed and he preached the Tawheed up until eventually at the end when the people they were chasing behind him, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him up to the heavens and placed somebody else with his appearance so that when the people caught that other person who had the appearance of Isa alayhi salam, they thought it was him and they crucified that other person. So they did not crucify Isa alayhi salam. It was another individual upon the appearance of Isa alayhi salam. Allah said in the Quran, Ma salabuhu. They did not crucify him. So Isa alayhi salam also came with this message of Tawheed. That is one of the fundamental principles to understand. When we talk about the da'wah or the methodology of giving da'wah from the prophets and messengers, then we understand that the primary manner in which we give da'wah is that basis and foundation of tawheed. Because every prophet and messenger came with that basis of tawheed, with that message of tawheed up until the final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who also again came with that message of Tawheed, just as all of the other prophets and messengers 
had done so before him. In fact, when the Qur'an was revealed to show you the importance of giving da'wah in starting with tawheed, when the Qur'an was revealed from the very first few opening ayat of the Qur'an that were revealed were from al-muddathir. قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرْ قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ Oh, you one enveloped in clothes, stand and warn, arise and warn. Warn against what? What did Allah say to the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ? Right at the beginning of the revelation. Warn the people against what? Against fornication? Against stealing? Against swearing? None of those things. The first thing... That the Prophet ﷺ was told to arise and go and warn the people. To abandon the idols, abandon the shirk, abandon all of that worship which was not tawheed. That was the beginning aspects or parts of the revelation. From the opening parts. As you know, it began with Iqra. That surah, then after a while, after Iqra, there was no more revelation. Then when the revelation started again, it started with, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, O you enveloped in clothes, arise and warn the people. And then it continues to say, warn them from the idols and those false deities to abandon them. So the Prophet ﷺ, he began warning against the shirk and calling to tawheed. And he continued in that way for years and years up until his death. In fact, the second highest pillar in Islam, which is the prayer. The prayer, the second highest pillar in Islam. It is so important that the prayer, it was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ where? In the heavens, on the night of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, the Prophet ﷺ was taken up to the heavens, and the commandment of the prayer was given there. That shows you the importance of the prayer, that this commandment was given in the heavens, as opposed to the other commandments that Allah would send down with Jibreel. That shows you the importance of the prayer. The fact that on the day of judgment, the first thing that a person will be asked about regarding his actions will be the prayer. Despite all of that importance of the prayer, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ said, الْعَهْدُ الَّذِي بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَهُمُ الصَّلَاةِ فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فَقَدْ كَفَرْتِ أَوْ فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ That the covenant between us and them is the prayer. So whomsoever leaves it has disbelieved or committed shirk. Bearing in mind all of that massive importance of the prayer. In the early stages of the revelation, was the prayer revealed or when was it revealed? When did the command for the prayer come? How many years after the Prophet ﷺ became a prophet? Approximately 10-12 years at the time of Al-Isra al-Mi'raj. Just prior to the Hijrah to, Ma- to Medina, just before the Muslims made the Hijrah to Medina, and the night of Al Isra al Mi'raj, 
That's when the commandments for the prayer as we know it was given. So if that's when the prayer commandment was given, even though it's that important, then before that, for the first 10 or 12 years, 13 years approximately, then what was the Prophet ﷺ teaching everyone? If the prayer even came later on, Tawheed, in all of those years, it was about purifying the hearts of the people from the shirk that they used to be upon into that Tawheed and the purity of that Tawheed. So this should be understood. And in fact, this is a characteristic that allows you to distinguish Ahlul Sunnah from Ahlul Bid'ah wal Ahwa. A characteristic that allows you to distinguish who are the people of the Sunnah and who are the people of desires and deviation. Because the people of the Sunnah, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, their da'wah, you will see that it focuses in the same way as the Qur'an it began, with Tawheed. In the same way as the Prophet ﷺ did the da'wah, Tawheed, starting with that basis of Tawheed. That is what you will see from Ahlul Sunnah, teaching the books of Tawheed, clarifying and explaining what is Tawheed, and what goes against Tawheed. If you see the others, you see the likes of Hizbut Tahrir on the streets with their benches, you see the likes of Al-Muhajirun, Al-Ikhwan, Al-Muslimun, Jama'atul Tabligh, whoever it is, with the different names that they have, their da'wah, look at their da'wah. Their da'wah, is it the same as what all of the prophets and messengers were teaching, which was Tawheed? Is it the same as what the Qur'an began with, which is Tawheed? Is it the same as what the Prophet ﷺ was doing as the basis, Tawheed? Or is it something else? When you look at what they are doing, straight away, the alarm bells ring. When you see that there is a stall giving Islamic da'wah, but everything on the stall is telling you how the Muslims are all kuffar, and how the leaders of all of the countries are kuffar. And how we need to remove them and do a new khilafah. Is this what the Prophet ﷺ began with? Is that what the Prophet ﷺ did when he went to Mecca? When he became a Prophet? Did the Quran say, first thing, go and make the khilafah. Get rid of the kuffar, make the khilafah. Was that the first command? If they talk about politics and demonstrations and parliament, is this what the Prophet ﷺ was told? Go and do negotiations with the kuffar, make your debates and your votes and try to... These types of things, they are secondary issues, third tertiary issues, issues that come later and in a manner that is different to how they preach it anyway. These issues, they are not as they portray them to you anyway. And even if they were, they are not the primary issues. The primary issue is to clarify the tawheed in the hearts of the people. So when you get a group of people coming, and they're giving you da'wah, and they maybe speak to you for an hour, and in that whole hour, all they are talking about is, you have to come out with us, and we have to go for three days, or 40 days, or we have to knock on the doors. After one full hour, they've told you about all of these plans, but in that da'wah they've been giving you, in that one hour or two hours, have they even told you yet? What La ilaha illallah means? 
Have they even told you yet what Muhammad Rasulullah means? Have they even told you the basis of Tawheed? Maybe the person could be somebody who goes and does tawaf around the graves. And they are saying to him, come with us to the houses of the people. This is distorted. This is the misguidance in understanding how to give the da'wah. That is why we say that is a mistake. People will say, but they're doing good. These people who go out and they call everyone to come. That's, the intention may be good. The intention may be good. That's possible. However, having a good intention by itself is not enough. And that brings us to the second point with regards to the da'wah of the prophets and the messengers. The first point you've understood now is that the basis of the da'wah begins with that tawheed, begins with that aqeedah. Because on the day of judgment, it is the tawheed and the aqeedah that will be the savior for the people. It will not be... It will not be, did you go and give out the leaflets about this Muslim ruler being a kafir or that one. It will not be about your demonstrations as outside the embassies. The savior is with tawheed. And that's why you see the hadith, hadith al-bitaqah. That there will be an individual who comes on the day of judgment. And he will have 99 books, scrolls. You know the scrolls when you unroll them. They will have 99 scrolls, this man. As far as the eyesight can see, every scroll. 99 of them. As far as the eyesight can see, they keep unrolling, unraveling. 99 of them. Full of evil deeds. Full of evil deeds. It will be said to him, Do you have anything good? He will say no. But then it will be said to him, Rather... You do have something good and you will not be oppressed on this day. And another scroll will be brought out. And on that scroll it will say, La ilaha illallah. The testification, the shahada. When that one scroll is put onto the weighing scale on one side. And those 99 huge scrolls of evil deeds are put onto the other side. The one with La ilaha illallah will be heavier. And those others will fly up. That is the greatness of Tawheed. That is what saves a person. Allah said in the Quran, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِمَانَهُمْ بِذُلْمِ The ones who believe and do not mix their belief with dhulm. The dhulm here being shirk. They are the ones who are guided and they are the ones who have the security. So it must be known that the da'wah of the prophets and the messengers from the beginning to the end, the focal point, the message at the basis every time, the core was to teach the people the Tawheed. Because if an individual comes along, an individual comes along and he fasts the whole month of Ramadan and he prays five times a day, but he rejects La ilaha illallah then will it be of any benefit to him the prayer and the fasting? He rejects la ilaha illallah and his aqeedah is upon shirk. His aqeedah and tawheed is non-existent. His aqeedah is an aqeedah of shirk. He refuses to accept la ilaha illallah, refuses to utter that statement, refuses to practice that statement, doesn't believe in la ilaha illallah, but he fasts the full month of Ramadan. 
and he prays five times a day, then will it be of any benefit to him? Not at all. So this understands, or you understand from it, that unless the basis is established, then the other actions are not of benefit. Unless they are built upon that basis. That is why when the Prophet ﷺ sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen, he said to him, when he sent, the Prophet ﷺ sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiyallahu anhu, one of the great companions, when he sent him to go to Yemen to give da'wah, he said to him, make sure the first thing you tell them, أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Make sure the first thing you tell them about, the people who were there, who were non-Muslims, Jews, Christians, make sure the first thing you tell them is about لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ About the Tawheed. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنْ قَبِلُوا مِنْ كَذَلِكَ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ That if they accept that, if they accept La ilaha illallah, then tell them about the prayer. فَأَخْبِرْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ إِفْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةٍ Then tell them that Allah has made the prayer obligatory upon them, and the zakat and the remainder of the actions. Because those remaining actions, if they don't accept Tawheed in the first place, they don't want to accept La ilaha illallah, they reject that, refuse that, then it will not be a benefit for them to pray or fast. So a person must understand in giving da'wah, the way of Ahlul Sunnah, the way of the Prophet ﷺ, the way of all of the messengers is to begin with Tawheed, to make that firm in the hearts of the people, to such an extent that the Prophet ﷺ, he even used to prevent the people from going to the graveyards in the early stages of Islam. Because going to the graveyards can be something that leads on to shirk. كُنْتُ قَدْ نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْ زَيَارَةِ الْقُبُورِ أَلَا فَزُورُوهَا فَإِنَّهَا تُذَكِّرُكُمُ الْآخِرَةِ The Prophet ﷺ said, I used to stop you from going to the graves. But now go, because they remind you of the hereafter. So you can go to give salam upon the people and to ask Allah to forgive them. To make dua to Allah for them. Not to go there and make dua to them. So the Prophet ﷺ, he spent his life, the prophethood, after the messengership came to him in preaching the tawheed. Then as we said, coming to the second point. The second point when it comes to this issue of giving da'wah, and the methodology of the prophets and messengers in giving da'wah, and the methodology of the Prophet ﷺ, and the salaf, is this topic of sincerity. Because now when they say to you, come with us for three days, four days, or come with us and we do this and we do that, they say we are sincerely doing this for the sake of Allah. And people will say, what's wrong with that? They have good intention. They're trying to go out there to bring people into Islam. Then we say as the second factor, or as the second point we are mentioning here now, regarding al-ikhlas sincerity. Maybe... Somebody has sincerity in the actions that they are doing. But sincerity by itself is not enough. Remember that. Sincerity by itself, just by itself is not enough. It needs a second part to go with it for the da'wah to be right. 
and for the worship and the obedience to Allah to be right, you need to have that sincerity, that good intention, but you need something else too. Good intention by itself isn't enough. The Salaf, they used to say, كَمْ مِنْ مُرِيدٍ لِلْخَيْرِ لَمْ يُصِبْهُ How many people are there out there who have good intentions, but they never get to do the good things that they want to do. Even though they have the good intentions, they never reach those objectives. Why? Because they are missing a second part. A second part that is vital in every worship, including da'wah. Giving da'wah is an act of worship too. So what is the second part that is needed? The second part which was from the da'wah of the prophets and the messengers, from the da'wah of the prophet from the da'wah of the salaf and the great imams that came after them. The second aspect that is needed with that good intention, with that sincerity to Allah, is following the sunnah of the prophet ﷺ in doing it. A person can't just make up his own way of giving da'wah and say, well, I'm doing it for the sake of Allah though. Maybe the person in his heart is, but that's not enough. You can't just make up anything. Somebody can't just come now and say, I'm going to pray 10 prayers every day. I'm going to pray Fajr twice every day, Dhuhr twice every day, Asr twice every day, Maghrib twice every day, Isha twice every day. Because I'm free, I've got spare time, so I'm going to make more worship to Allah. What's wrong with that? Doing it sincerely with good intention to get more reward? Is that okay or not? It is not. Why though? Even though the person tells you, I'm doing it with good intention. I'm doing it for the sake of Allah. What's your problem? What are you going to tell them? Even though you're doing it with good intention, even though you may think you are doing it sincerely, you're not following the sunnah in what you're doing. The sunnah, the Quran, the revelation does not tell you to pray 10 prayers in the day. It only tells you to pray 5. Same with giving da'wah. A person says, we have to go out for this many days, that many days, and we're doing it for the sake of Allah to bring the people to Islam. Say to them, even if your intention is good, and you have good sincerity, but your action, the way you are doing it, is not in accordance to the Quran and the Sunnah. We've not been told in the Sunnah to do it in this way. We've not been told that a person who doesn't even know the basics of Tawheed, needs to come out and go for three days or 40 days. And those same people, if you were to ask them, tell me the conditions of La ilaha illallah. Tell me the conditions of Muhammad and Rasulullah. Tell me where is Allah. Tell me about the names and attributes. Tell me about the different parts of Tawheed and the different types of shirk. And they don't know. So how does that person go and give da'wah? They have twisted the manner of giving da'wah. So we hope that those individuals, they return to understanding the Qur'an and the Sunnah, so that they can put their efforts into giving da'wah in the correct manner. They can learn the knowledge, understand the tawheed, understand the aqidah, and then preach that to the ability that a person has. As for going out there and doing all these different types of da'wah, three days, 40 days here, there, people talking about the rulers, people talking about all types of things, then we say to them, even if you claim we're doing all of this for the sake of Allah, you've missed the second part, which is that you're not following the sunnah in what you're doing. That's why Ali ibn Abi Talib said, 
لو كان الدين بالرأي لكان المسح على باطن الخف أولى من ظاهره that if the religion was based upon your own intellects if the religion was based upon your own thinking your own mind then when you wipe over the socks when you've got your socks on you've made wudu and you want to make wudu again you want to wipe over the socks it's permissible in the sunnah which side do you wipe on? the bottom side or the top side? the top side Ali ibn Abi Talib said anhu, if the religion was based upon your own intellect your own intelligence what would your intelligence tell you to do? which side would you think is better to wipe? the bottom side because where does all the dust go? the bottom side when you're walking the dust goes on the bottom side so if you were going to use your mind to decide what to do in the religion you might have thought to yourself let's wipe on the bottom side but you don't even if you're walking and the dust goes on the bottom side, you wipe on the top side. Because that is what the Qur'an and the Sunnah tells you to do. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he said, when he kissed the black stone, إِنِّي لَأَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ حَجَرُ لَا تَذُرُّ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ He said, I know you're just a stone. You can't harm or bring any benefit. وَلَوْ لَا أَنِّي رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yuqabbiluk ma qabbaltuk. And had I not seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kissing you, then I wouldn't have kissed you. So why did Umar ibn Khattab kiss the black stone when doing the tawaf? Because he'd seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam doing it. And he knew it was sunnah to do it. So this is the second important factor in giving da'wah. That it must be in accordance to the Qur'an and the sunnah in accordance to the manhaj of the salaf, the methodology of the salaf, a salaf as salih. So look now what it mentions in the Qur'an regarding that. Allah said in the Qur'an, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى أَنَا وَمَنِ اتَّبَعَنِي وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Allah said in the Quran, Qul, say, O Muhammad, Hadihi sabili, this is my path. Allah says in the Quran, say, O Muhammad, to the people, this is my straight path. Just like in the hadith, when the Prophet ﷺ drew a straight line in the sand, and he said to them, when he drew that khattan mustaqiman, said to them, Hada sabilullah. This is the path of Allah, the straight line. Then he drew lines on the right and lines on the left. Then all of these other lines, he said at the end of them, shaytanun yad'u ilayh. At the end of all of these crooked lines, these bent lines away from that straight one, all of the bent ones have shayateen, devils, at the end of them calling you to them to take you away from the straight path. And this is the way of the shaitan. Ibn al-Qayyim and the scholars, they mentioned, the shaitan isn't just happy to see you come off that straight path. The shaitan isn't happy just to see you come off the straight path. The shaitan wants you to come off the straight path and then go far away as well. So that even if you turn around, you can't even see the straight path anymore. 
Shaitan wants to take you away from the straight path and then keep taking you far away so that even if you turn around, you can't see where the straight path is anymore. So many desires and doubts and misguidance and bid'ah. So a person must strive to cling to that straight path in giving the da'wah, in learning and understanding the religion, must be upon those evidences, the Qur'an and the sunnah. Here Allah said, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي Say, this is my path. أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ I call to Allah. Say, O Muhammad, tell them, this is my straight path, and I call to Allah. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, the meaning of this is, إِلَى تَوْحِيدِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَإِفْرَادِهِ بِالْعِبَادَةِ Meaning, this is my straight path and I call to Allah, i.e. to the Tawheed of Allah, to singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that worship. وَتَرْكُ عِبَادَةِ مَا And to leave the worship of everything else besides that, besides Allah. وَكَذَلِكَ الدَّعْوَ إِلَى بَقِيَّةِ شَرَاعِ الدِّينِ And also to then call the people to the rest of the religion too. You call the people to Tawheed. But then of course, you call the people to the remainder of the religion. You clarify to them regarding the prayer. You clarify to them regarding the other rights upon them. The zakat, the hajj, the fasting, the rights of the parents, the charity, all types of different affairs of the religion. The halal and the haram, they are clarified in the da'wah to the people. So, فَتَكُونُ الدَّعْوَةَ لِلْكُفَّارِ لِلْدُّخُولِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ وَتَكُونُ الدَّعْوَةَ لِلْعُسَاءِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ لِلْتَوْبَةِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَأَدَاءِ الْوَاجِبَاتِ وَتَحْذِيرِ مِنْ الْوَقُوعِ فِي الشِّرْكِ So the Shaykh says, when you are giving the da'wah to a non-believer, then your da'wah to him will be about entering into Islam, clarifying to him this religion of Tawheed, the religion of worshipping one Allah alone. Just as Allah mentioned the example in the Qur'an, when a person, a servant, has two or three or four different people, has two people, three, four, five different people who he's working for. A person has multiple people that he's working for. That individual won't know how to please all of them. Because one boss will come and say, do this job for me this afternoon. The other boss will come and say, no, I want you to go and do that job for me. The third boss will come and say, no, I want you to do that job for me. So this person, what's he going to do? He doesn't know now. This one is asking him to do this. This one is telling him to do this. That one is telling him to do this. He's all confused and everywhere. Because he's not upon uniqueness of tawheed to one person. Whereas the servant who has only one person in charge of him, then that person in charge of him gives him all of the commandments, gives him all of what he needs to do and what not to do. So the person knows exactly what he needs to do and what not to do. But a person who wants to worship the Trinity, wants to worship all these different gods and statues, monkeys and whatever, all hundreds and hundreds of different gods, who do you obey? Where do you obey? Who do you obey? What do you do? Gods, different ones, the Son, the Father, the Spirit, everywhere. Rather we say in Islam, you give da'wah to the disbelievers, to the unbelievers. This is a religion of purity. Ad-deenun nasiha. When the Prophet ﷺ said, Ad-deenun nasiha. Ad-nasiha in Arabic means purity, sincerity. 
This religion is purity, sincerity, clear upon that tawheed and ikhlas to Allah. Sincerity of advice, sincerity of obedience, sincerity of worship. So you give the da'wah to the disbelievers in that way. As for the Muslims and the believers, then you give them da'wah once again regarding the tawheed as a starter. For indeed many of the people they have become misguided and they do not understand the reality of tawheed. So some of them think it is okay to go to these pious awliya as they say and ask them and they'll wipe over you and they'll make dua for you and blow over you and you'll get what you want. They think that's okay, they think that's tawheed, there's no shirk in that. They think it's okay to go to the graves of the prophets and the messengers. They think it is okay to go to the graves of the prophets and the messengers. The Prophet Muhammad and to make dua there, to ask the prophets and the messengers to take their dua to Allah. There is that famous story. Mentioned it before, we'll mention it again, just to show to you how much ignorance a person can be on if they don't learn the proper tawheed, if they don't go to Ahlul Sunnah to learn their religion. It is mentioned, a true story, that on one occasion a person, he made a letter. On the letter at the top he wrote his name. My name is X, Y, and Z, whatever his name was. And then he put on a passport photo of himself. A passport-sized photo of himself. Then he wrote the name of his wife underneath and put on a passport-sized photo of her. Then he wrote the names of his two or three kids and put down passport-sized photographs of them. Then at the bottom of the letter, after all of these names of his family and the photographs, he wrote at the bottom, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, this is my family. We have some problems, we're in some need, with some difficulty. Please help us, O Messenger of Allah. He folded that up into a small envelope type of thing and posted it into the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. Afterwards, one of the workers found it and they opened it and this is what they found. This is the aqidah of some of the people. This is the aqidah that the people are on and they think this is tawheed to write a letter with photographs and your family and to write at the bottom, O Messenger of Allah, help us and then post that into the masjid. Post that into the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. This is the ignorance. So you need to be aware when all of these people of deviation and desires are talking about this ruler did this and that ruler did that and those Muslim rulers are bad and they're doing bad in their country and they are kuffar and we need to get rid of them and khilafah and this and that. When you look at all of that speech of theirs and you compare it to the reality of what you need to know, as a salvation for yourself and others on the day of judgment, then it is not the rubbish and the nonsense that you hear from these misguided individuals. These misguided individuals following their emotions and their desires. Rather you go to the basis. And that's why when Allah said in this ayah, Say, O Muhammad, this is my pathway. This is my straight path. I call to Allah, i.e. with sincerity. I call to Allah with sincerity. I call to the religion of Tawheed. I call the people to abandon all of these ideas which are shirk, going to the graves of others and asking them for dua. You know the Salaf, they even used to dislike that a person goes and stands next to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. The grave is that way and the Kaaba is that way. 
they used to hate that a person goes and stands with his back to the grave and facing the Kaaba making dua. You're facing the Kaaba making dua. But the grave is behind you. They used to even dislike that. They used to say, don't even do that. Even though you're facing the Qibla, you're making dua to Allah. The grave is behind you, just there. They used to say, no, don't even do that. Because some people, they will look at you and see you doing that. They will think, the reason why he stood there making dua is because of how close he is to the grave. So there must be barakah in the dua. So let's all go stand at the grave and make dua. Now it's even worse. Now the people don't just stand there facing the qibla making dua. What do they want to do? They want to go there and face the grave and make dua. This is the reality of the misguidance and the ignorance of the people regarding the correct aqidah, regarding the da'wah of the prophets and the messengers. And in our time now, with the spread of all of this information, with all of these websites and internet and YouTube and all of these different things, any deviant who wants to come with this deviated methodology, they come and they promote themselves in this way. So do not be from those who mistakenly goes and listens to anyone and everyone. Rather you take your knowledge from the authentic sources. You take your knowledge from Ahlu Sunnah. Those people of knowledge, the scholars. Then ask the people of the scripture, the people of knowledge, the scholars, Ahlu Sunnah, if you do not know. This is what we must be aware of. So the Prophet ﷺ, Allah says to him, tell them this is my path. I call to Allah. I call to Allah with sincerity for their people to be upon the worship of Allah in Tawheed and to abandon the ashirk and all of those affairs. Then it says, Ad'u ilallah ala basirah. And this is another very important factor that highlights to you the methodology of the prophets and messengers in giving da'wah. Here Allah says, say that I call to Allah upon basira. Basira meaning knowledge, insight, having insight and knowledge about the affair. That is why we know as one of the principles for the one giving the da'wah, then it must be that he has knowledge prior to being able to give da'wah. As they say, if somebody hasn't got something, then you can't give it to somebody else. If you haven't got something to give, then you can't give it. The knowledge must be established before an a person is able to give da'wah. Al-ilmu qabla al-qawli wal-amal. Knowledge comes before statements and actions. In fact, that principle is mentioned in the Quran. Allah said, "Fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallah wa astaghfir li Have knowledge that there is none who deserves to be worshipped in truth except Allah. Then seek forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness is an action. Having knowledge of la ilaha illallah, that is the prerequisite. Knowledge first, then actions. So that is a principle taken directly from the Qur'an. That a person must study and gain knowledge. And then that person is able to give the da'wah. When they say to you, The Prophet ﷺ said, narrate from me even if it is just one ayah. Okay? 
But then that person needs to know that ayah. You need to have knowledge and understanding of it. The people, they do not have knowledge and understanding, and yet they want to go for three days, 40 days a month. Whatever it may be. That is not the way of da'wah. Even if they say it's good intention, it is not the way of da'wah. It is not the way of the Prophet ﷺ. Look, Allah says, I call to Allah ala basira upon knowledge. Knowledge of the religion, knowledge of the Qur'an, knowledge of Tawheed, knowledge of the Sunnah. That is the one who gives the da'wah. The one who has that clarity to be able to do so. Not the ignorant one who requires da'wah is then promoted to go and give the da'wah for three days or a month or whatever. So be aware that the methodology of the Qur'an and the Sunnah in giving this da'wah and the methodology of the Prophets, it is highlighted clearly that the basira, the knowledge is required. Knowledge regarding various factors. Knowledge obviously regarding the religion. Person who wants to give the da'wah or speaking about the religion in any context, then you need to have knowledge of what you are talking about. You need to have knowledge of what you are talking about. Also, from the means of giving da'wah, from the methodology of the prophets and messengers, is having knowledge of who you are talking to. So you look at the audience. Who is the audience? Are they people brand new to Islam? If they are, then you give them da'wah in a particular way. Or are they people who have been practicing Islam for 20 years? They've memorized Al-Bukhari, they've memorized the Qur'an. Then the one giving them da'wah, giving them knowledge, will give it in a different way. So you look at the audience. You look at who it is. And again, all of these types of things are lost with some people. They are lost with some people and they don't understand them whatsoever. Wherever they are, whatever situation they're in, they have one rigid way that they want to implement. And that one rigid way doesn't work with everyone. And it's mentioned by the scholars. You wouldn't come and teach a group of people a type of knowledge that is far advanced above the level of the people because nobody would understand. So you look at the audience and this is also from the basira. This is from the basira, from that insight and from that knowledge in knowing how to give the da'wah in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then at the end of the ayah, the, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ana waman ittaba'ani, I and those who follow me in this way, those who follow me upon this methodology of giving da'wah upon this way, and then, wa subhanallah wa ma ana min al-mushrikeen. Look at what the ayah ends with again. Wa ma ana min al-mushrikeen. And I am not from the mushrikeen. I am not from those people who oppose Tawheed. So it comes back again at the end to the matter of Tawheed and Shirk. So you must be aware, the greatest factor is this Tawheed and Shirk. When we talk about the da'wah of the prophets and messengers, that's where the issue was. The people, they all used to believe that Allah exists. Nuh salam, Musa salam, Ibrahim salam, Isa salam. All of the prophets and messengers, when they were sent, the people, they used to believe Allah exists. They knew that. And they knew Allah created them. Even the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet ﷺ knew Allah created them. And Allah is the one in charge. They knew that. But the problem with all of those prophets and messengers to their people 
or the problem of the people to the prophets and messengers rather was that they could not single out Allah with worship. They had this problem of practicing Tawheed. Same with the Prophet ﷺ, that was the problem that they faced, that the Prophet ﷺ faced from the mushrikeen. When he said to them, Qulu la ilaha illallah, tuflihu. Say la ilaha illallah, you'll be successful. They said in response, Aja'ala al-alihata ilahum wahida, inna hadha la shay'un ujab. They said, what? You want to make all of our gods into just one god? You want us to worship just one and leave everything else? That's something strange. They didn't want to accept that. They didn't want to accept the Tawheed. And this is where the confrontation was between the prophets and the messengers. So do not be confused when a person comes and gives you da'wah. And he says, you have to believe Allah is the creator. You have to believe Allah is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Allah is the one who gives the sustenance. Of course, even Abu Talib and the mushrikeen will agree with that. Even the mushrikeen, the ones who the Prophet fought against, they would say to you, yes, we believe that. That is not the meaning of Tawheed by itself. Rather, it is the uluhiyyah, that aspect of singling out Allah with worship alone. Making your dua, dua is an act of worship. Making that dua directly and singly, uniquely to Allah. Not going to the peer or the awliya as they say. In some places we have heard, Allah alam, that they go to lakes where there are crocodiles and they get told to drop money in there and make wishes and they'll come true. Muslims. And this is the aqidah. They have places where they have an archway. And they say, if you walk through this archway, this door, you guarantee your place in paradise. So they all crowd and they crush each other to try and get through the archway. This is the ignorance. So do not be confused and do not allow your time to be wasted by people who do not understand and do not learn the Qur'an and the Sunnah upon the way of Ahlul Sunnah, upon the way of the Salaf. Because the way of the Salaf, that is the superior methodology, that is the only methodology in understanding the Qur'an and the Sunnah, in understanding the da'wah of the Prophets and the Messengers, in understanding how to practice our religion, in worshipping Allah and pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll conclude upon that point, in that brief reminder.